0: Welcome to Chatterbox Bearcats with Chuck and Houdini. This is the only show on planet Earth that goes live on YouTube following every single Cincinnati Bearcats basketball game and drops audio podcasts in the morning following every single game, which is where you're listening to us right now. Welcome, everyone. Cincinnati falls to Houston 67-62. The Bearcats fall to 15-8 overall. Four and six in the Big 12, which puts them in the bottom four of the conference. If I could describe this game in 30 seconds, I'd do it as such before we get to the full conversation post-game with Houdini. Uh, Houston's a very good basketball team. They showed that early against the Cincinnati Bearcats. It was complete domination, 14-3 on the boards at one point. Fans were getting restless. The Zebras got involved and were absolutely abysmal out of the gate. It would even out eventually. But the refs were bad, Wes Miller was teed up, Victor Locken goes out of the game, the four-guard lineup comes in, and Cincinnati looked like a brand new team. The final tally on the rebounding mark was 41-38 to 38 in favor of Houston, so Cincinnati held their own for the next 30 minutes or so, but once again, it felt like Kansas. UC took the lead at one point, they went up by 7 at a point in the second half, but down the stretch, UC doesn't have that closer Houston, just the better basketball team. Jamal shed the best basketball player on the court. And that's how the Cougars win 67 62. But if you put money on the Bearcats plus five and a half, you're covered. Here's the post game show with myself and Houdini. It's the
1: same thing. It's like Groundhog's day. every Every time we play, it's we lost by five. I think we've lost every big 12 game by five points. And it was in our hands again, and just could not finish a game. And, and we went, I think it was a 19-3 run in the second half. And, it, I mean, I'm staring at the scoreboard. We shot 37% from the field. It, it's, I say it every time, it's a miracle that we're in these games. against. I mean, it's a, this is a top-10 team, possibly a number-one seed of the tournament. And, hey, I mean, we, we play them again. Uh, I saw some good things today. Uh, I saw Wes adjust, go small like we've been begging him to do. Again, it wasn't, you know, Victor Locken's night. And, you know, I was in the arena. People were throwing some booze out when Vic was coming in. I don't know if I'm going that far. You know, as a a Big J media member, you know, I can't be booing or anything like that. So keep it professional the whole time. But it was pretty clear it wasn't Vic's night from the jump. You got to finish a game and, and win at home. This isn't, we, we went on the road somehow, which is a good sign if we get into March, but this was a win that we needed to have to get off that bubble, and here we are. We're, we're back in it again, the rat race.
0: The Bearcats are rising. They're not quite there yet, and if they're not hitting 45% from the floor and above 40% from three-point range, and if they're not knocking down their free throws, which today they were 72%, 18-25 overall, not terrible, they're just good enough to be right there but they're not good enough to feel like they're seriously going to win this game. Second half. I thought Houston kind of took control. The fact that Cincinnati was in the game late was just because they're fighters, man. They don't quit. They play to the finish, but it felt a lot like the Kansas game where Cincinnati turned a corner in the first half. You're like, damn, we may be really good. Then they kind of revert back to their old ways at times. Um, Kansas, or in this case, Houston takes the lead, kind of holds on to the lead and uh, really a similar final score. I will say this, Houdini. Houston, probably 15 minutes or 10 minutes through the first half was up 14-3 to in the rebounding statistic. Do you know what the final was?
1: I want to say we got out-rebounded by about eight.
0: No, it was 41-38. to It was close. Like, Cincinnati, after the first 15 minutes of the game, proved that they are a really tough team. But that happened when Victor Locken came out of the game. They put Dan Skillings in at the four. And let's call a spade a spade. That's what we do, man. We call a spade a spade. Lockin does not look comfortable out there. And you hate to see it because we all love Vic. He's one of our guys. He's been one of the best players for over a year and a half on this team. And he has a role, but I saw it in the first half. He's in there and we're shooting a one and one I think John Newman buries the front end of a one and one and Vic just turns around. He's on the block. He turns around and starts running to the other side. Like, no, he, He's got another one. I mean, Wes should have seen that right away, and it's like, all right, you're coming out. You know, and he he, he adjusted. Second half, Vic only played when Vic had to play. But I feel like everyone in the arena was kind of like, you got to get him out, Wes. You got to get him out. And it just took a while, in my opinion. Grabbed but, this. Um, this again, Thanks, Wes, Wes is coaching pretty well, man.
1: No, I thought I thought Wes made the right adjustments. Um He's, he's loyal to a fault a lot of times to his guys. At least he didn't let it bleed into like, you know, we're talking second half Victor lockins in at the most crucial moments. We saw that in past games. Didn't work out. So at least he made the adjustment. I don't think Victor saw the floor in the second half. And there's a lot of people claiming like he he can't play at the Big 12 level. I think that's nonsense. We saw him early in Big 12 play. After he got you know, whatever it was, the swine flu, he, it almost looks like he forgot how to play. Like in. Maybe the the worst thing that happened was him hitting those threes early in the season because now he's acting like he's J.J. Redick out there. And everybody in the entire arena, when he pulls up from three, everyone's silent. They're like, oh, God, no. Please, Vic, don't do it. And he he didn't have it today. Um, The nice thing with our depth, especially at the center position, though, we saw Jameel Reynolds have some awesome minutes today. I I was really um, excited about how he played. Aziz was okay. Chuck, check the final stats on Aziz rebounds. I think he had legit one rebound.
0: Final statistic, Aziz Bandega, one rebound. Eight points, one that's rebound.
1: In, if you're seven feet tall and you have one rebound in an entire basketball game, that's criminal behavior. So I'm that can't happen. You know, I know you said the rebounding statistic was close. But in the most inopportune times, they were getting putbacks. That putback dunk uh, at the end of the game to kind of seal the game. We just – all the 50-50 balls weren't going our way. And don't get me started on that bald ref. As a bald guy, that took the community back decades. He was an abomination, man. Just
0: awful. Let's talk about the hostile crowd, first of all. That was the most buzz. And, first of all, it was the biggest Cincinnati Bearcats crowd at Fifth Third Arena ever, at least new Fifth Third Arena you getting some claps in the background? Are they celebrating your performance?
1: Yeah, they just said that was an unbelievable take. Yeah. they're Give, it, give, gotta... it,
0: give a little hat tip. Give a little hat tip right now.
1: Appreciate it, guys. Chatterbox Sports.
0: Like yep. and subscribe. Like and subscribe. Join the chat room right now. It was a hostile crowd from the opening tip. I mean, there was a five, ten-minute segment of real time where it was just booing nonstop. They cut to the uh, commercial break. The band plays for a little bit. They cut back, and they're still booing. Wes got teed up after that one. Um, There was no jacket to take off because Wes was wearing the polo. But um, I was shocked. You remember back in the day that Huggy Bear used to just get ejected for UC? Like against UAB, he'd go on the road, and 15 minutes in, UC would be playing awful, and he'd just be like, I'm done. He'd get ejected. I thought this was that type of game where Wes may get ejected early because they looked so bad. They looked so lifeless. Houston was getting every 50-50 ball. The refs were legit terrible. Wes kept his cool, only got the technical, Um, And I'm pretty sure that was a five-point possession. The difference is five points in the game. It comes down to a few baskets here and there. Cincinnati not quite good enough to win this game yet, but we saw signs. Starting with the four-guard lineup, I thought when Newman and Skillings were on the floor together, the plus-minus had to have been better than Houston. I mean, there were moments where we legit looked as good as Houston.
1: Dude, the passion that he has, and I, I really think that if he wasn't such a likable guy, he'd get teed up more. Cause he gets in their face and just goes nuts and he's chewing the most gum, you know, humanly possible at the same time. But I, I love Wes. We've been saying that from the start of this show, man, I, he's got it. The the one thing this team is missing is a finisher in these close games. Where are you going with the ball to get a bucket? And like we said, Jizzle James, I don't know what the final minutes were. He was, he was awesome. Um, I know I think he only ended up with like eight points, something around there, but he was one of the guys that you could actually give the ball to and at least get a solid look at the rim. Because um, CMOS didn't have it tonight. He had a he had like what, he had a bank three and then one crucial three. But we don't have a go-to guy, and we've been saying that forever. We don't have a go-to guy to finish these games, and that's what it comes down to in the final minutes of a game when it's a two-possession game. You need a, a go-to guy. You need a Kilpatrick. You need a Cumberland. And this team is still trying to figure out who that guy is. Um But it's not all. We're not dead yet. We got Iowa State on Tuesday. So we can make up for this loss. I still think we had it in the bag. We can get Lenardi out of his bunker and finally take us off the damn bubble.
0: Three Bearcats reach double figures. It's Dan Skillings, who had 10 points in the game, but only three rebounds. And he had 13 points in the game. Three rebounds, did Dan Skillings. Jizzle James had 10 points, three boards. Jameel Reynolds had eight points, four rebounds. The other Bearcat, in double figures, was John Newman who had 10 and 10. John Newman, God, the Bearcats are going to miss him next year. If you would have told me that six months ago, I would have said, You are crazy. But John Newman is the glue, man. Aziz had the eight points and the one rebound. Victor Lockin once again did not score. Zero points in the game. He was 0 of 4 from the floor. He only played 13 minutes. That is a season low for Victor Lockin. The confidence clearly gone. We'll see what West does with him moving forward. I mean, at this point, he's got to earn his minutes back. You saw it in the second half, man. He, he gave him as many minutes as he possibly could. But defensively, he was not anything special, if good at all. And offensively, he was – I mean, he didn't even ask for the ball in the middle. He was just lifeless out there. Um, Seamus Lukosius right. had six. Tayday Thomas had seven. C.J. Frederick played for the first time since December. He only played two minutes, did not take a shot in the game. Josh Reed played one minute, didn't score. Odio Guama – played two minutes and did not score. That rounds out the uh, scoring for Cincinnati. Dan
1: Skilling is one of those guys, even if he's off shooting the basketball, he didn't even have a great game today. What did he finish? Like four of 13 from the field? Nothing, nothing fantastic. But when he's in the game, good things happen. Four of 11. Four of 11. eh, Not too bad. Sounds like my stat line, which you don't really necessarily want. Um, But regardless of if he's putting the ball in the hoop or not, he changes the dynamic of the game. And when you were talking about Victor Locken, the, at worst, if you're not making your shots, cause a little bit of chaos, especially on the boards of the defensive end. And Victor just looked like he was uninterested in being out there. And I've never – Dan Skillings has had some duds. I've never seen him look like he's uninterested on being on the basketball court. Um, same thing with John Newman, man. He is a – you're right. If you would have told me this 12 months ago, I would have been like, what the hell are you talking about, man? John Newman's the guy. If John Newman wasn't on this team, we'd be in very big trouble. So thank God he didn't actually get seriously hurt uh, after that one injury. And at this point in the year, though, we need to start. There's no moral victories, man. We need to start actually winning the basketball games. you got to beat Houston. We're going to be flirting with this bubble thing all damn year. We get Houston again. The schedule doesn't get much easier.
0: The last time. Cincinnati took down Houston pre-COVID. Zach Harvey had his breakout game for Cincinnati. There's a little blast from the past. Zach Harvey had a big game. Cumberland willed the way to victory. Keith Williams, Trey Scott had some massive plays. And um, since he took them down, this is the closest since he's been. Because last year there was the game in Houston where UC, I'm pretty sure went up close to double digits in the game and was right there at the very end. But over the course of the season, you just saw that Cincinnati was—they were nowhere near Houston. I think this team, they're starting to compete, man. They're getting close. We're not quite there yet, but we're getting close.
1: No, I mean we're we're getting back. Just being in the arena, man. It's a—it's night and day. Like we're getting back to old school, like people that are just completely, you know, out of control. That's what I like to see when we're at the games. Like I had grown men, like just screaming at the refs, just like tell them to F off with their, with their like six month old kid next to them. Um, That's what we want here, here at UC, you know, keep it classy a little bit. Right. But we need that energy. And it was, it was there shout out to my guy wearing a boomer, a size Jersey. Why? I do not know. He was about 55 year old man. He was getting in the student sections face and hyping everyone up because after they went on that little run, the, the crowd, to be honest, actually died down quite a bit. Um, I, I think E Train was. I blame him for half of this. He was up there in 201. He should had the crowd going. But when they went that little run, we got a little quiet. And uh, thank God we had our guy Boomer Ison hyping up the the student section because we've talked a little bit of shit about the student section, but they were uh, they were on top of it most of the night or most of the day. So
0: Houston has quickly become, I would say, behind the Xavier Musketeers, Cincinnati's biggest thorn. I hate this program. I absolutely hate them. I hate the fact that they replicated what we were doing in the American and just did it a little better. That's real talk. I hate them. I mean, if you talk about my Mount Rushmore of teams I hate the most, I think this team bumps out Louisville. I'd say it's UConn. It's it's um, Xavier. And for me personally, it's Syracuse. I just I couldn't stand Syracuse. But uh, Houston's got to be number two right now. I mean, there's no doubt about it. This team is uh, – they're tough. They're tough.
1: It's unbelievable. I, I was, you know, we're going to the Big 12, and I go, oh, I saw the announcement. I go, thank God. I go, the Houston thing's done. Oh, no, no. Houston just followed us and still haunts me every damn game. Like, we can't – I'm glad you didn't say it was a rivalry because, in all honesty, it can't be a rivalry when you, when you lose 10 straight, man. I mean, the this is not the same Houston team that was last year, the a couple years before. They don't have uh, Jairus Walker. They don't have Marcus Sasser um they still got a lot of guys that are talented i mean yeah they
0: just reloaded they may be better
1: i i don't think so personally um i thought this was kind of our, our chance to get one of these and give credit to them i think they shot like 39 percent for the field nothing great but they hit some wild shots in the lane just at the most crucial points of the game um so here, here we are again man uh i hope cj frederick can get back in action because we need a guy that can put the ball in the hoop from the perimeter or at least a threat. Because right now we're struggling. I don't know what we finished. It was like six of 20 from three. Um, When you're playing Houston, that that might not get it done. and It didn't.
0: Well, let's talk about the next matchup, Iowa State. Trey King, one of the really good players on that team, started off at Eastern Kentucky under A.W. Hamilton, a guy that's from Lexington, Kentucky. Um, He averages 10-5 and for that team. Not their best player by any means. Gilbert, I think, is a good player. Kashawn Gilbert averages 14 points, five rebounds. He's a 6'4 guard, uh, someone that John Newman's going to potentially contain. And then when you look at Trey King, the way that he plays, it's probably a combo of skillings and then maybe Jameel Reynolds as well down low. So matchup-wise, at least off first glance, I'm not going to sit here and act like I'm a big Cyclones fan. Only a Cincinnati Cyclones fan, not an Iowa State Cyclones. But um, I've seen enough of them to know that I think Cincinnati will match up with them pretty well. I thought Cincinnati most of this game matched up pretty well with Houston, man. I mean, there were times in the first half where Houston was throwing up garbage after that first 10 minute stretch or so.
1: We have such a deep roster that I think we could really match up based on manipulating the lineups. We could almost match up with anybody in the country. I mean, I personally like having Jameel come off the bench and giving us a little uh, lift as far as offensive. Because defensively, he's not necessarily great, and I know Aziz did not rebound well today. Not really a great game in general, but it is so palpable watching him on the court. They change the way that they drive to the rim. They will not throw up those bullshit floaters when Aziz is in the paint. So he's a guy that you need to have, I think, on the court. I, I like. Give me either pick your poison. Give me either Jameel. You know, if Locken has it, let Locken play. But he didn't have it today, but. One big, one five. I don't necessarily I'd love Odie, came in, gave us a little energy today. I don't need to see Odie and Aziz on the floor, literally ever.
0: I guess the silver lining, there's no more silver linings. We've had bad basketball for years. It's time to start winning these games at home, regardless of who you're playing. I mean, TCU, they took down Houston at home. Not many teams have taken down Houston. They've lost three games this season. Let's, let's get real. This is not one you expected yeah, to win. That's UC's why you were very five good. and a half point underdogs.
1: And I try to interact with Lenardi as little as possible, but now I have to literally have notifications on for when he pops up his little updated bracket. And I, you see, is just flirting between. You these. know, there's like
0: 75 bracketologists, right? You could switch. Like, you don't have to no. look at Joe Linardi's.
1: Hate him or love him, Joe's the guy. It's that simple. I'm not the biggest fan, but he's the guy. He has the brand. He's the dude you got to go to, even though I, I think he's like percentile wise, like one of the worst as far as the bracketologist, but I love, I love Lenardi. I love this dude. So, I mean, Hey, he keeps saying silver lining, but if Xavier would have beat Creighton today, it would have been an even tougher scenario as a UC fan. So uh, yeah, we're going to keep doing this, man. Every damn, every damn game is going to be the same thing. Iowa state's going to be an absolute battle again. Um, like I, like you were saying, I think we match up well though. We can absolutely win the game. Can we finish the game? We'll see.
0: Chance for Cincinnati to finally reel off a couple in a row in the Big 12, which they have not done this year. They have not won two in a row. Had that cha- They had a chance to win three in a row had they taken down West Virginia, but that's hindsight at this point. But Iowa State at home, then it's UCF on the road, Oklahoma State at home. Let's break it down stanza by stanza. This three-game stanza, you got to go two and one, right? You got to take down Oklahoma State and one of two, between UCF and Iowa State because both of those would be quad one wins.
1: I'll be honest, Chuck, the word stanza is really throwing me off. Um
0: thinking of George?
1: I'm thinking of yeah, I'm thinking of Costanza from science. Whatever. Um yes, I do think two and one, what is it we got? We got Iowa State and then we follow up with who?
0: Central Florida on the road, then at home against Oklahoma State.
1: Oh yeah, no question. You have to go two and one there. In in a lot of people are going to try to like fly over the UCF game on the road. That is going to be an absolute battle, 100%. UCF is a solid team. I think that I'd have to check the updated net rankings, but that could even be a quad one win on the road, which would be massive for UC. But you got to get one of two between Iowa State and Central Florida, and you absolutely cannot lose to Oklahoma State. You can't do it. We saw it happen against West Virginia. We have the ability to lose to Oklahoma State. Can't happen. That, that'll be a resume ruiner if we lose that's that where your
0: That's where your bubble bursts, man. That's where right. the, the bubble is literally popped on the spot, regardless of what you do the last five games of the season. I'm seeing it in the chat right now. Iowa State is a must-win. It is. That game's on Tuesday, February 13th at 7 p.m. Eastern time, Fifth Third Arena. That's this upcoming Tuesday. Must-win basketball in Cincinnati. Let's go to the next stanza. It's TCU, it's Houston, it's Kansas State, it's Oklahoma, it's West Virginia. Of those five, got to win one of those road games between TCU, Houston, and Oklahoma. I don't care which one it is. They're all quad one wins on the road. you got to win one of them. And then you have to take care of business at home against Kansas State and against West Virginia, and you have a shot. Because eight wins is the goal here. Eight wins could probably get you in. We'll definitely have you sweating on Sunday, which we will take. Uh, with the way the season's gone thus far. And um, let's just point out the blends, potentially. Iowa State would make it five. Let's say they lose to UCF. Oklahoma State could make it six. West Virginia would make it seven. And then between TCU, Houston, Oklahoma, and Kansas State, you win one of those. And, I mean, the path is right there. Even if you lose to Iowa State, you know, the path is still potentially there. But the Bearcats are going to have to continue to be good on the road. Because the home games are slowly dwindling. Um, two of them against Oklahoma State and West Virginia. That's not going to do shit for your resume.
1: If we don't beat Iowa State, then we're on the outside looking in. 100%. Then we have an uphill battle. If we can win that game, then everything's in front of us. If you win the games you're supposed to, you probably slide into the tournament. But hey, at least we're... I, I pray. I, I want to at least feel the feeling of sweating on Selection Sunday. Which I haven't felt for a long time, man.
0: I just want to change my shirt. I mean, God forbid a couple guys want to change their shirts and, and you get the microfiber towel and, you know, wipe off the beads of sweat on Sunday is the Bearcats get in with a 10 11 seed. We knew this was going to be a transitional year going into the big 12. How good would the Bearcats be before big 12 play even started, you know, midway through the year after the out of conference ended, people said this team's going to win three, four games. They've already won four games. They're not a bad basketball team. They're on the rise but they're just missing a little something right now. You say it's a closer. I say it's just some consistency. I mean, there were moments of this game where they looked nearly as good as Houston. Even when they weren't making shots, just defensively, they were fighting hard enough to where this was always within striking distance.
1: God, it is tough. Me and Kelvin Sampson locked eyes, too, a couple times. And he knew he had me by the balls, man. I'm like, God, you you own me, dude. Every time I see that guy, I, I walk out of the arena with a, with an L. And because uh, I mean, realistically, you're right. Our two biggest quote unquote rivals or biggest games right now. It's Xavier and Houston, and we have just been getting annihilated by these teams. Maybe we could claim UCF. But I know UCF wants to act like we have a rivalry. Sure. I guess we're you us and UCF, big rivals. I don't give a shit about UCF in any capacity. Taco Fall. Legend, in my eyes, but maybe we need to start a new rivalry because we cannot, Houston and Xavier have our numbers unlike any team that I've seen, like, historically. I know Louisville, back in the day, had us. Maybe we started up again with Kenny Payne. because I don't think we're losing that game.
0: Chatterbox Bearcats, everyone. We will see you on Tuesday after the Iowa State game podcast drop in the morning after.